Hello everybody, welcome back to the Precision Unloaded podcast. You're once again joined by Mark and Graham. Hello Mark. Hello Graham. We are a little bit slack lately getting some podcasts out, so we're hoping to change that. Um, Tonight we're going to talk about our recent trip to, second trip to Australia for the Australian Paris King of the Hill event, uh, which is an hour and a half out of Sydney. Yeah. At the Hilltop Range, um, and yeah, so we'll go over the normal stuff, travelling, all the dramas, and um, the, the match, and and everything. Um, first, though, we'll quickly go over uh, our show sponsor, uh, the Gun Rack. Um, a lot of you are familiar with the Gun Rack here in New Zealand. They um, do rimfire events. Uh, they um, support a lot of our events. They also have an online store. Um, so tonight, they have graciously offered a 10% off code for the listeners of the podcast. So no strings attached. Um, if you want to buy something off their website, uh, it's a, as far as I know, everything on their website that is in stock, uh, this code will get 10% off. So that could be a... Shit, they've got shotguns, they've got some hunting rifles, magazines, uh, shit, grips, projectiles rails everything funnel kits from area 419 some real nice stuff um so it'll give you 10 percent off so the code is mag dump mark one word lowercase so m-a-g-d-u-m-p-m-a-r-k and uh if you enter that i'm assuming at checkout um that'll get you 10 percent off and yeah so uh get in behind the gun rack and uh maybe if you you were eyeing up a Area 419 funnel kit that retails $200, you'll get it for uh, 20 bucks off, right? So um, thanks to the gun rack for doing that for all of you. And um, yeah, pretty awesome. What are you going to buy, Mark? Oh, wait, you already bought something from them the other day. I have a backlog of stuff. You do. You do, you do. When, when, they, when Jeff visits, he has to unload his whole truck. <laughs> like... After, do, do you recall when yeah. Auckland was locked down for some bizarre reason for like a half a year when Jeff finally got set free I remember him turning up and he just he had a whole ute load of projectiles and ammo and guns and you didn't yeah. even remember half a, of it <laughs> it was a dangerous goods transport <clears throat> yeah <laughs> um, yeah no half the time my stuff I forgot I even ordered so it turns up well, the thing is, when because we see Jeff oh, at least once a month. Not that anymore, but anyway, I've yeah. paid for it now. We see him maybe once a monthish, most of the time. So a lot of the time, yeah. we'll just be like, "Ah, oh, don't worry, posting. Don't worry about posting it. We'll just catch it <laughs> next time we see you." And then, like you say, you forget yeah, about it. All. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, I ordered some stuff from today. So um, take advantage of fourteen shotgun. Fourteen shotgun. It was very um, a, a good shotgun. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah, everyone goes, wow, that's cool, but what's it for? And then you get the <clears throat> the use case where it gets lost, because it's like, well, I suppose it, it looks, might be good for something. It looks cool. 14. It looks cool. Yeah. yeah. 14 is just... Yeah, 14 is just... 12-gauge um, would be cool. Mm. But... You know. Anyway. <laughs> um, Let's just say putting me in a goat with it didn't go well. <clears throat> I, I wasn't going to bring that up, but it's been brought up. Um, yeah. But fun if these shotguns are available, I guess they'd be good for teaching kids stuff like that. 
um, if you if you mm. do want one. Um, anyway, moving on, we went to Sydney uh, for the um, King of the Hill PRS round um, with uh, grand expectations to do well, and I come away getting my ass absolutely handed to me. But we'll cover off that through the episode. Uh, Mark, you once again joined us as a uh, team manager. Um, director. director you somehow um got given given a job which we'll cover later so you weren't able to manage i had to go and buy my own lunch probably why i shot so bad um <laughs> i abandoned you all for two days took it for a freaking t-shirt you abandoned us well, no I, I, I taught you enough <laughs> that is true um yeah um i i took all of the bad habits you taught me and applied them well um, so yeah, we yeah. standard stuff. Flew to Australia. Um, uh, this is a different state for for me taking a rifle into anyway. Um, a little bit more Ooh, paperwork. Folders. Yes. So uh, I don't. I think I mentioned it in the last podcast as we were uh, finishing up in in, in Buckham, and which was in um, what state's that in Victoria? Uh, talking to the match director of, of the, the, the this match we've just been to, and he mentioned that folders are in fact legal so i had to sort of scramble and uh get a major chassis upgrade from my sponsors at guns nz which was very timely and much appreciated and swapped out the uh the ba comp for the Ma matrix pro from Aspies arms which is well, what a chassis anywho um <clears throat> we can talk about that at a later date specifically that chassis and must be some stuff but had to get a change bunch more paperwork um Every time I've, well, it's twice now, but go there, I expect some some issues with with their uh, border force, what we call customs. Um, but they're pretty good, to be honest. I actually don't think my folder would have even been noticed when they inspected the rifle, but it's still not worth the risk of, of getting your guns confiscated. But um, had all the paper in order. Uh, we went. What did we? We arrived maybe about nine o'clock. In Sydney, and then they didn't unload our plane for shit. It must have been quite a long time, and I think so. By the time we left the airport, it was nearly pushing midnight or something, wasn't it? And um, but you know, so because everyone finally gets their their bags, and then we get our rifles, and we have to take them through uh, a different part of um, border force from everyone else. So essentially, once we once we got let go, the airport was empty, and um. So so Mark, so so it was Anthony and uh, Wilkie and I, and Mark had gone off to get our our rental vehicle. So what did you booked us, Mark? We were specifically we didn't want another. We wanted a uh, a last better time vehicle. We had a, a Prado, um, but with the size of the gun cases, you can't fit them in the back. That folded down a seat, so you know it was one less seat in the back, so you know it squashed up. Anyway, mm-hmm. so the best idea was to get a, a canopy Ute, so double cab with a canopy. Um, but that got lost in translation. Didn't have any in stock, so <laughs> they ended up going. Oh, I've got to go over to domestic to get it. And can you sure you don't want anything else? I was like, no. Nah. I mean, you could get like a um, Kia Carnival, <laughs> big loser cruiser, but I don't think they would be that much better for fitting stuff in. Um, anyway, so yeah, he said, oh, I'm knocking off so I can just drive you over to domestic, because in Sydney, international domestic are about, I don't know, 
15 minutes apart in terms of driving. Mm -hmm. So basically buggered off over there, got to the rental place, and, and I looked in the car park, and I bet you that's what he's going to give me. <laughs> sure enough, I got a double cab with a flat deck. <coughs> had sides, though. But, so uh, It was a work ute, too. I had lights on it and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like a, a tradies ute. So here we are, driving around. Uh, so wherever we stopped, we had to put our put the gun cases in the back seat and shift things around. So otherwise, yeah. um, so I don't know that made an interesting trip. Although it fitted everything well. Just, no, um, so so we were we we went uh, over to where we we assumed you'd you'd pick us up from, and we were waiting there, the three of us, yeah. and for maybe half an hour or something. <clears throat> and then this we see this white double cab flat deck you pull into the car park and we go nah that's not that's not mark like we ordered a, a canopy you, you know and it sort of parks over in the middle of the car park and and then and then you ring me and you're like oh, i'm here and i'm like we're like where and i'm like you're not in that fucking white ute here and you're like yeah i am and i was like wait a minute and I, I think <laughs> what have i said i beat the horn so you beat the horn and Yes, it was you. <laughs> and this, and this freaking road workers Utah, whatever it was. And we go, oh, you know. But anyway, um, it, it was not it was not ideal, but it still worked okay. We, like you said, we just had to be cautious of when we did stop and and stuff. Um, Setting was more comfortable. Just we had to make sure we shifted everything around every time we stopped. <laughs> yes, um, but but yeah, but yeah, it, it still worked out okay. Um, but it was, man, rental companies, I tell you, um, it's, it's, they just don't care because they know you're desperate at 12 at night when you need your vehicle. Um, yeah, or well, to be fair, on these sites, though, it can be hard to to narrow down, like, of a class of vehicle. So, like, a 4x4 ute, you don't really get, unless you put specific comments in, you can't narrow it down to having a canopy and stuff. And, yep. Yeah. And I didn't really... I assume they wouldn't really just rent you a, a tradies ute. There you go. I guess, why not? Why not, hey? But, but yeah. Yeah, uh, we, we headed out of town. Yes, along a, uh, a bunch of toll roads, from what I understand. Um, <sighs> I, wasn't, I haven't checked my visa for a while. Was it? No, I think they <clears> built it to the ute, didn't they? When we paid. Um, no, they were set up to turn up later, so. Oh, did it? Oh, shit, I'm going to get another no. bill. <laughs> No, no, not a discount for you guys. Not a discount. Team manager's fee. Um, and, oh, shit. And so, yeah, and anyway, we head to our accommodation. Um, was this on Thursday? Yeah, it would have been Thursday night. We got some. Uh, and, 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 and as much of a surprise, Australia was cold. 67 bucks. Is that, have you been billed for it? $67. And road tolls, yeah. Fucking hell. I, I'm just going to say this right now. Their roads were just absolutely... They were awesome, right? Like, we went through mm. central Sydney and the labyrinth of roads that swerved and crossed each other with, was, was amazing. And they were all smooth and it was flowed. And Anyway, yeah. so Do maybe it's... My scenic, my scenic view of Sydney Harbour Bridge? We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that at the end, eh? Okay. Uh, no, no, fuck it. We'll talk about it now. We're talking about traveling. So when we come, so when, when we came back, <laughs> um, the three children in the back were keen to see the Sydney Harbour Bridge. So you know, so righto, righto, youngsters, we'll take you across the Harbour Bridge. And as I was driving towards it, 
I sort of had a chuckle to myself and I realised that I'd taken because there's basically a, a harbour tunnel so I said um, after a while I said um, if you look up to your left you'll see the harbour bridge and we're like what we're going through a tunnel I said, yeah <laughs> we're halfway under now yeah I look at we're the I look at the GPS yeah. <laughs> we're in the ocean <laughs> we're under the harbour yeah and the bridge is above us so I was like oh well so we end up zigzagging back through town and got back over the bridge back to the airport so they, uh, yeah. they did get to see it but yeah but, uh, it was a bit of a it was navigational fu- error on my behalf. It was it was funny. Um, anyway, so we head to Australia. Was cold as frick again. I don't know what's up with that place, but here's me for the last thirty something years thinking it was a big, warm, lovely place, and it's just hot, colder Seven than Taranaki. Oh god. Anyway, so we, man, we get to where did we stay? Some town. Mittagong. Yeah, Obviously, people know where Mittagong is. Um, it's yeah, a cultural hub, um, and it's in the Highlands, six hundred meters up. There you go, and it's freaking cold. But the, the accommodation was it was f- far better than Buckham. We had AC in the rooms, electric blankets, stuff like that. Um, me and Wilkie lucked out and got the bigger room, um, much to to Mark's. Um, it, 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 he wasn't happy, but uh, that's that's all all good and well. And um, yeah, and then yeah, so we I don't know went to bed and next day went up with, we weren't due at the range for the site and, and such until was it 12 or lunch yeah. so we um we went out for breakfast uh to what looked like the nicest cafe in the area fancy and then what it cost me 130 australian dollars for our breakfasts and it was shit house so that was great start um well they had not I will not let it go. And we had, I will say, me and Mark got a little cheesecake there. Cheesecake was um, was good. Um, and then anyway. Not one. We're, not, we're not sharing cheesecakes, to be honest. But you go. Is this not, do we not talk about food on this podcast? Not that anything's wrong with that. Uh, uh, and then anyway, we um, we uh, packed our stuff up and, 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 and drove to the range, which would have been, what, 10, 15 minutes? Good photo of you and Wookie looking like homeless people. Sitting on the side of the road waiting sitting, for Mark. Sitting on the side of the road with your, all your belongs in your trolley. Yeah. And, um, Where's gone? Where's Mark gone? Team manager. Yep, terrible team manager. And anyway, we head to the range and, um, well, they let you zero. They had, they had quite a bit of steel First out. impressions of the range, Graham? Oh, that's a good idea. So this facility is... Government. Government built, uh... I reckon they spent fifteen million Australian dollars or something. It's hard to tell where it went. But yeah, well, I don't know. Money. I'm yep. pretty sure when 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 I don't want to lose my job. When when you do jobs for the government, it's you're not quite as cost effective as you could be. It's probably what I'm getting at. Um, it was. Uh, I think it had a series of complexes. Now we only were on the. Yeah, there's an eight hundred the. And, a pistol, range and pistol ranges and stuff. So, and okay. So maybe yeah. add in these other ranges and you can maybe see where the money's gone. It's in like a middle of a freaking forest. What they call a. F- oh no, it's all been burnt and grown back and burnt. Yeah, we had a look on the satellite. There's nothing for like 13 miles behind it, pretty much. <clears throat> yeah. And so the where we were, it was. Um, so you sort of park and then as you walk in, there's like a sign like, beware of snakes. And then there's. You see about eight. S- like signs like hey man watch out for snakes and this is a bit concerning for us kiwis because yeah that's you know not something normal for us um did not see any snakes um 
and then it's quite so when we went to Buckham last month that was a very very small facility five millimeter range but it had um a very thin far not thin the firing line wasn't wide narrow, narrow. narrow. perfect word that's the word you're looking for this one would have been like what 10 times eight ten times wider than Buckham, i guess it's um, got to be 80 either side yeah 80 either side yeah yeah it's, it's so good probably 100, 160 meter long covered range and um it was it was good and all concrete and um I guess they had shooting benches that they yeah the shooting benches move out of the way so they move those behind yeah, the firing line. Steel, uh, yeah, yeah, steel. They've taken them to the back. Yeah. Yeah, and then so they can settle the, their props up um, under the cover. And I believe the roof has some sound deadening in it. Um, still stupidly loud, um, as you can imagine. <clears throat> but it allows them to set up sixteen stages side by side, so we weren't reusing props or prop positions like we had to at Buckham due to the, the smaller range facilities. Um, uh, yeah, basically all the stages were set up largely, ready to go yeah. um, for day one. Yeah, and then um, uh, the range is essentially just a you know big, massive, long rectangle at 500 metres with, a, with oh, I guess you, us Kiwis aren't used to it, but like every 100 odd metres there's a small berm, maybe like, be lucky to be a meter tall and then at the back at 500 they got like a big mantle set up that's quite tall um uh although i believe it operates as a full danger area range anyway um but yeah so it's a pretty standard one but they can have targets essentially at whatever distance they like uh i'm not sure what their minimum is um probably 100 meters or something uh, and then i think they can have closer for rimfire obviously but um, so that's cool. So you can they can they don't have to they can set targets relatively freely on the range, and they can have a little bit of crossfire. You know, you can shoot a little bit left, a little bit right. <clears throat> uh, so that was cool. Um, what else? What else? Apparently, a wombat lives at that range, and each morning it'll come in and it'll shit under the covered area where it shoots, and it'll just wander back off and do its thing. But um, they informed me. Um. Oh, what we should say is when we're driving into this range, so they've like, as you drive this little place called Hilltop, like, there's like a few houses there. It's not a lot. It's not a big place. They've like hewn the, a road through the rock, and at some points it's probably ten foot, sort of lower than the the surrounding um, area, and it's a bush on either side. And the, uh, it seems that like wombats and kangaroos fall in. To this road area and they can't really get out so they get collected by cars and so you, we, each day you drive in there'd be several like dead animals on this maybe two kilometer stretch of road and someone goes along and paints them with a pink spray can and must it must mark them that they've been accounted for or something so you'll see these yeah like, reported, reported yeah you'll see these dead tape. wombats legs up in the air pink tape on a crush car <laughs> big, 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 big cross on them which is which is saying a bit different whereas roadkill here is just roadkill right um anyway range uh it it was it was good it was um again where i like field ranges but it was a pretty impressive complex um Nice toilets, uh, man. They even had disabled toilets, right? Which life hack, always more room in a disabled toilet. Um, they had um, you come in, you sign in, blah blah blah. Um, they're pretty strict on that sort of thing, and they were quite surprised when us Kiwis had ten-year licenses. Um, 
that that uh, was quite a shock to some of the older guys taking the registration. Um, more of a jealousy thing than anything. Um, oh, one thing I'll say too is they it was they were there the whole weekend. They had um, like a a food trailer that did uh, Texas barbecue style food. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. I'm not sure you actually got to go out to it, Mark, but um, that was no. That... I didn't get a lot of time in the end. Stupidly. So, <laughs> should we touch on why why you didn't have any time before we get to the match itself? Oh, do you want to talk about how exciting in that went? And oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. Well, see, I nearly buggered that up. So yeah, I thanks. Uh, <laughs> I fucking I go there, check my zero. Yep, gun shooting all good. And then they had like just maybe several targets out, right? And I sort of. There's a target at the back berm, it's 500 metres. And I, I checked it. Yep, 500 metres. Anyway, when I laid down, I was sort of where I was, I was sort of looking between some um, zeroing boards uh, to look at towards 500 metres. <clears throat> so I, okay, cool. Check my dope, hard data, Kestrel, everything's the same. Yep, sweet. Dialed it up, it was like, I don't know, whatever the dope was, 2.7 or something. And I like shoot at it, and I'm like 0.3 high or 0.2 high or something. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Shoot it again. Exact same spot. Okay. Come down. Point two or three or whatever. Center, center, center. Okay. Because no wind really. And I'm like, I was like, man, maybe maybe my zero is buggered. So I get back on the zeroing board because it's right there. Bang, bang, zero's fine. And so now I'm like scratching my head and I'm wandering around. I'm, I'm playing with my data, seeing if I can make this discrepancy line up. And I'm like, this doesn't nothing works out here something's not working out check everything's talked everything's good talking to the guys you know they're like same thing like that doesn't make any fucking sense i'm like no that doesn't make any sense anyway so i'm sort of scratching my head like this isn't good because you know i can't figure out why it's wrong and i'm thinking maybe i just have to like make a hoary data sheet and manually confirm everything on the zero day Anyway, they shut the range for people to walk out. To the, this is about an hour later. I'm scratching my head still. They shut the range for everyone to walk out to check their zero targets. Um, I don't know. I can. I just look through my scope and I'm pretty happy with that normally. But people want to walk out there and congratulate themselves on shooting little groups. And I go over. So OSA, uh, that's Outdoor Sports Australia, are very similar to our Outdoor Sports. I believe they're part of the same parent company. They've got a large uh, selection of Zeiss scopes and optics there and and different things like that so i'm over talking to this guy as people are down there checking out their stuff and i'm looking through some glass and i look down towards the, the back berm at the 500 meter target oh yep yep no, this looks good and then i realize there's another target uh it's like between four and five hundred and so um i'm like oh Maybe I've been shooting at the wrong target, and I, I um, I might have used this. I pair of the Zeisses were range finding binos, so I, I, I beamed the target, and sure enough, the dope I uh, was correcting to lined up with that intermediate target that I didn't realise was there. So what it turns out I was doing was I wasn't aiming at the five hundred meter target; I was aiming at a, a four hundred and something meter target. Um, and from where I was laying, stupidly. I assumed that that was my target. So 
I I did the wrong target and and, and nearly changed my whole dope to suit. Um. So yeah, it was, close. It, yeah, it was a fuck up. Nearly it, it was, and it, I still burnt up like you know ten rounds playing around with this, right? So anyway, I'm like, oh okay, I think I've solved this problem. Talk to the boys. Yep, yeah, it sounds about right. Jam down behind the gun. <laughs> Dial up my original dope. Aim at the correct target at the at the boom, and um and and hit it in the center. That's fine. When the target I was shooting at, from where I was shooting, you could. You looked at the back boom still right behind it, and so I was, my shots were still hitting the back boom. It's just a case of misidentification and um, uh, uh, very ne- nearly a major that would have taken me several stages to fix on the day. Um, but yeah, anyway, so we got that sorted out, which was nice. Um, some guys and girls, they'll sh- man, they'll shoot for like the whole afternoon because there's a couple of props there, so they'll practice and stuff like that. I didn't really have the ammo spare, especially now after um, my zero mistake. But um, yeah, so essentially, well, I just waited for the matchbooks, which I think do you get them about four or five o'clock or something? Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, so again, very nearly, um, <laughs> nearly buggered myself up uh, right off the bat. Um, yeah. Any any thoughts from you on the on the on the day on the Friday? So you could look at all the um the props that they were planning to put out or we were out already, and um get an understanding of what they were planning to do. And then when you got the matchbox, basically had all sixteen stages in there. Um, the first day you were doing the even stages, eight of them, and then the second day it switched to the odd stages, eight of them. So um, which meant you basically had Two, uh, you know, a gap of a stage in between each stage you were going to. So as you went along, you moved all your gear from place to place. So um, and the squads were what eight to ten. Uh most. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely the biggest um, event I'd been a part of, um, like shooter wise. Um, yeah, so they're probably mid seventy shooters, seventy five odd shooters. So yeah, um, fair bit to get through, but it's a big complex, so. <coughs> didn't seem to be an issue. I think they said the last year it was raining pretty bad, which meant your gear couldn't be at the back and everyone was basically huddled under the the cover of the roof, so you're just stepping over people the whole day. So but no we had fine weather for the whole time, which was good. Um anyway, but yeah, so the first that afternoon allows you to get a good feel for the place and um probably yeah, get a feel for the range it's a bit strange looking at a 500 meter flat range like that in a way for me anyway um it can be very difficult to gauge where things are at which i found later on when i was doing helping out you know it's you gotta really focus hard on showing people where the targets are and giving them um you know reference points to work on otherwise it's easy to get lost amongst the targets out there so you mentioned that they had a map. So, again, middle of the, the matchbook, there was... Because, yeah, obviously, so it's a big rectangle. You, you could just reference that if you were unsure of what your targets were. That yeah, was handy. So it had, it had a, uh, essentially a schematic of the whole range and where the targets would be and the, and the props themselves in diagram form, just a map, basically. So you could use that to then sort of plan out 
they seem to use mm, a um, where you'll be looking because I mean they're pretty much they're all there's nothing where you're you know, you're all shooting kind of fire directly in front of you so it's not like you're crossing over anything but yep. there was a bit of I think some stages it issues the wrong targets more than others I'd guess yeah there, there, I think there was a couple stages where they kind of had a little bit of angle and it was easier to see other people's yeah projectiles as a miss one one thing because you're shooting on the uh if the target was directly in front of a berm wasn't that bad right because you'd you see splash but because they had them in intermediate distances between these small berms you'd have um again which is new to us and the shots are usually up on quite high stands your shot would fall uh, back in the paddock more and it's quite easy to see that as a low shot or or something like that and um yeah, it's just, just getting used to different stuff. You know, we're our, our targets a lot of the time are much lower to the ground, um, and we've usually we 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 try our best to put some form of um, uh, slope behind them, depending where they are. But but yeah, so that was good. But I will I say, mean, as a sp- heaps of dust, which is nice. Yeah, as a spotter, I wasn't really the in- well, you know, I wasn't interested in where the shots are going because you can't really say anything, so it didn't bother me. So I didn't. So you just, you know, it's either a hit or not. So, mm, yep. um, and in fact, the most splash I saw was on top of the berm, which must have been, yeah, um, a bit of ricochet. Yeah, yeah. So if you hit the, if you hit the ground, see, that that was something new for us too. I, I um, yeah, here we doesn't, shoot doesn't to dig in. we shoot to the grass, vegetated topsoil, but there it's, it's essentially rock um, under the ground. So, at uh, the bullet. Yeah, the gravel, the mm. bullets skip up. So that, that was something new, seeing them skip up into the mantle behind the, or, or back berm. Um, yeah, it was just, just different. Like, talking to one of them, I was like, man, is it, because, yeah, it's winter. It's, it's pretty dry up here. Like, no, it's pretty good at the moment. And I'm like, oh, is it? it's not a lot of green around. But, um, again, different parts of the world. Um, you, uh, yeah, so anyway, that's. Very strict, very strict range times. So basically, you had 10 to 4. I think on the, and then 10 to 5 on the competition days. Oh, yeah. You get there early in the yeah. morning, you sit around for a couple of hours, wait to start, don't you? Yeah. Um, mainly due to the, the rules that they had in place with their consent to do it, I suppose, with the locals, noise-wise. Apparently. It's all right. Yeah, and then uh, first night we had a lovely dinner at an Italian restaurant, and that was it. And that was <laughs> day, day two. So we got invited out. Um, <clears throat> we go to dinner, and we're like, looking for the place, and it's like, like, this can't be it. This is like a, quite a nice Italian restaurant. But it was. Oh, quite a few of us went, eh? And then um, we, had, we had dinner. It was just, I don't know. Yeah, a dozen of us. Yeah. yeah, and then like I think about three or four left. And then a bunch of us stayed. And then uh, Mark was nice enough to pay for everyone's dinner. Well, I was trying to make up for, for our negative reviews from slagging people off last <laughs> podcast. So yeah, so... Them. The next morning he goes, he goes, did I pay for uh, everyone's dinner last night? And I was like, yeah, mate. <laughs> and these Australians, some of them uh, had only just met Mark at dinner. And they go, man, he's great, isn't he? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> and then Mark also told them, no worries, guys, any time. <laughs> and they're like, well, we'll go out for dinner again. Mark's like, yeah, sure. But we managed to avoid that. Um, it, was, it, was, it was funny, but... Um, it was a good night. Uh, a lot of those Aussie guys are. Um, the... It was annoying to split the bill. Yeah, yeah, it was way too annoying to split the bill with people you didn't know. 
um, yeah. far simpler just to, to spend like 600 Bank New Zealand dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Including drinks and everything. Um, but cool guys and um, yeah, normal good shit talking and all of that. Um, next day, wake up early, head to the range. Uh, we're probably one of the first there, which um, get one of those good car parks. Um, yeah, it's one thing, 14 million shorter car parks. Yeah, they worry about it, uh, not as if they don't have any space. Um, and then pretty much, uh, again, you got to, they were just getting the last of the sort of props assembled. <clears throat> a few more targets put down range. Like, I'd say the the, the difference between the Friday sighting and the, the Saturday, the amount of work they'd done uh, the pre the Friday evening and, and early on that Saturday morning, they'd moved a lot of steel, man, and they had... Yeah. Uh, a shitload of props and i'm not talking just like a little dinky uh skill tree or something like like when we talk about tires like we've got what a couple of uh front tires off your front, tractor front tires of the tractor yeah. yeah not in back ones they had a huff tire if you if you're not a huffers like a big ass front end loader thing like they had a huff tire i don't even know how they moved that that um that was a hell of a tire stack, and then there was tractor tires mixed in with it, um, mm. stuff like that. They built a uh, this wall slash stairs slash box contraption, which I'll I'll try I'll find a photo of and I'll put it up in the uh, on the on podcast Instagram. So you, it's hard to explain. Mark got very intimate with that prop over the weekend. I did check and, out this view. It was cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Weird that you remember that. Um, man, they put some effort into the props. Um, uh, cable drums are a real e- like if you're setting up a match like a real easy sort of I'm not going to call it a cop out but you're like fuck it I'll just get a cable drum and that could be a prop right simple as there you go I've designed a stage let me see you're like meh whatever cable drums they had like a was it four or five cable drums and they'd sort of set them up on angles and uh, it was a wicked it, probably my my favourite prop was the cable drums that set up like I'd, I never thought cable drums could be that interesting, but they were they were awesome. Um, no, it's the best overall prop setup I've seen. So yeah, no, they, hats off to them. No, they did a fantastic and, and, job. And a regulatory issue they have is they cannot do anything in steel, so they had a digger bucket, and it was literally a replica one made out of wood. Is that why someone had done that? Yes. Because oh, I was There's like. No steel. I was like, no why, steel allowed on the range. I was so, like, why the heck would you put like that much time into making a digger yeah. bucket out of wood? Yeah, we'd just park a whole digger on the range or throw a bucket somewhere, but no, they have to, yeah. have to make a wooden replica. So, <laughs> and what did he what quite, did, Fuck, what uh, did he tell us? And, that, yeah. and he had to write a fifteen page report to be able to bring those tires onto the range as props because they contained steel belts. Yeah inside the rubber obviously so and he said it's like 15 pages to submit to get approval to to roll these tires on the range. yeah all, the, all their props are stored elsewhere so off-site so they're going to basically get around a container and bring everything out and uh, so they, no, they did a hectic amount of work um to get some of those built and assembled yeah it's cool yeah it was uh for, for having a, a square range and a flat shooting area, the props, they did a wicked job with props. Like like you said, it was the best best I'd yeah. ever seen. Again, we're new to the style of shooting, uh, but yeah. absolutely fantastic. Um, massive, 
anything. And they're really big on, which is slightly different from us again, having super stable props. Um, what have, what have, oh, those uh, rubber, uh, plastic motorway barriers that you fill with water. They're like, oh, they're cool, cool because they've got slots in them you can fit a, they're good for shooting through well, and stuff. Funnily enough, Mark, Quite you, standard. you I, may have I, noticed. I need to find some. You may have noticed I've assembled a full prop range in your hay paddock. So it'd probably yeah. be a good, a good fit for a couple of those in there with everything else. <laughs> you're you're going to have contractors mow hay next year. They're going to be like, what the fuck is happening up here? No, I mow the hay. Oh, that's fine. I'll so you can be, just mow to yourself. I'll be ringing you up. <laughs> For the giant piece of metal I run into. Uh, well, you ran over Just some wood a few times, yeah. <laughs> Man, actually, yeah, some... it remains your rooftop. Yeah, my, I had it um, back when we had the runoff here. Well, when I used to have personal range, the contractors hit one of my targets with their mower. They were not happy oh, with be... me. Oh, yeah. it didn't damage my target at all. No, they don't. Yeah. Oh, my lovely wife's anyway, bringing me a back coffee. To, back to the job at hand. So, day one. So, what, uh, where did you start on day one, Graham, stage-wise? I, I got lucky. I started on skill stage, yeah. Skill stage. Oh, skill stage whatever three. the frick it is, yeah. No? Two. Uh, uh, oh, whatever the, the standard. Stage eight? Maybe. Stage... I haven't got my matchbook here. But, um, oh, that's right. You know the one with the four positions, shoot. Just like target, 250 mil target at... Uh, yeah, stage eight. Yeah. You would have started on stage eight. Yeah. And I, I missed a one. That was awesome. Um, yeah. But that was cool. So I was in a pretty cool squad. I was with um, uh, Ash, who I think he may have won the series before. Not sure. Uh, but he also he won the uh, match in Buckham the previous yeah. um, time. Uh, yeah. I was squatted with him then, but I didn't really talk to him that much this time. Um, talked to him quite a lot. And also Joel, um, who's another one of the top shooters over there. So they were real interesting. Um, they sh- Man, they shoot different from us. Uh, skill level is obviously really, really high, but the uh, like free recoil, uh, they will tripod re everything. Um, man, if the, but they get impacts, and it's impressive to watch. Um, yeah, just they 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 are their shooting method, their style, their, their technique is all about heavy gun, stable prop, getting impacts. It's it's pretty impressive to watch. They are um. Very, very talented. So that was cool watching him and, and, and learning and also asking advice, right? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so like one of them, he's shooting a 22, 22 GT, right? So I'm assuming it's a Berger bullet, probably like a, I don't know, freaking 85 grain or something, you know? So super low recoiling because it doesn't matter there, right? You're, you're only shooting five 600 meters. Uh, you've got yeah. dust everywhere to spot splash. Um, not that they freaking miss much anyway, those guys. Um, pretty heavy gun, like it's just, you know, it's 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 so tailor made. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, started on skill stage, dropped one off the bat, blah blah, whatever. And then I think I went to, I I, th- I thought I had like three simple stages, and I I did okay on them. I think I got like dropped one on each or something like that, whatever, maybe more. And then I sort of progressively got worse and worse and worse. Um, as as the weekend went on, um, we had like a a really mild um, wind, um, mostly predominantly sort of coming from the sort of eleven o'clock, I guess. But it would sort of turn itself on and off, um, and it was I struggled to um, like if the shooter before me, I'd watch and I'd, I'd, I'd get on glass, 
and I was just trying to watch for the dust and you'd watch them and I'd be like, okay, the dust is going left to right, cool, left to right, cool. And then the another shot and then, oh, now it's going right to left, right to left. Now it's left to right. So it was, um, but but I, it was it was small target, right? So it was only a mild, real mild wind, but it was enough to, to push you just off. And so if, if, if you couldn't um, pick up on that, that wind change, you'd just you'd get pushed off target. Yeah, yeah, and um, so so that that was um, yeah, that was good. <laughs> uh, and then I also had a stage on the, oh, that might have been Sunday, but but yeah, um, got through it. Definitely wasn't setting the world on fire, that's for sure. Um, but I'd say, would you say smaller targets than Buckham? I'd say it was a eh? yeah, by by a little bit, not a massive amount, but smaller targets. No, um, more challenging stage design a lot of um like here here at our events in new zealand like say there'll be you'll have four targets and it'll say uh and attempt to hit each target twice or something and it'll give you a round count so you for the most part you can figure out how you're gonna do it. uh or it might specifically say this target from here and this target from here but but their ones it'll be like uh from the first position shoot the short target and then the long target and then from the second position shoot the middle target twice and then short target once and the third position shoot the long target twice and the short target twice and or a, a lot of um uh, sort of head spinning um uh orders i guess just to just to try and um trip you up and it, it definitely does and so you, you, the time before you're trying to memorize an order or you're trying to write out a plan on your arm board uh, but it might be 12 shots and so you end up with a freaking novel written on your arm um so, yeah. so tr- trying to trying to get your head around that but then also concentrate on like breaking a good shot trying to follow what the wind's doing um building a solid position being conscious of the time because the times are tight um yeah it's hard it's a challenge um it's definitely humbling um yeah, so so yeah, sort of carried on through day one. Um, I guess halfway through the day, I sort of, you know, points are going, you know, sort of getting sort of fifty percent of the points on, on a lot of stuff, um, if if not a little bit worse. Um, so just 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 decided just to have have fun, really. Um, you know, I wasn't going to set the world on fire. Um, yeah, just just started. Um, uh, it's real easy to get. Um, uh, down in the dumps you know i've done it before and you know just having a shit day right but it's like well we've spent all this money coming here um i'm in a squad of cool guys let's just have some fun and just enjoy the rest of the day and um yeah that's all i got nothing much else for you, well uh you know it's a fuck it's easy man to, to get in a slump you know me and you've both done it and i was looking forward to a relaxing day and ended up oh so okay so mark you you come over as but, team manager right <laughs> And then I and heard then you he, say to Trent, the match director, on day one, do you need a hand with anything? <laughs> Trent's like looking a bit exasperated on the early on the second day, or first day, first day of competition. Oh, I've had people calling sick and oh, it's bloody short of people, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I can help. Can I help with something? Well, I was thinking something. So so you'd met Trent. Like, oh, yeah. So, you'd so, met so Trent at Buckham, had a good yeah. Yeah, had a good, yeah. Nice guy. 
And uh, so he threw me a um, vest. He said, oh, you can run a stage then. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so then all the volunteers start briefing starts and they go, come over here. And they're like, anyone confident enough to run a stage? I was like, I suppose. So I walked over and to that group. And then um, <clears throat> I ended up like Nigel No Mates because they're going... Okay, everyone's with the people they want to be with. Right, we've got twos and threes, so you'll have like a scorer, a spotter, and a, you know, someone to do the, the um, stage briefing. Um, so I ended up at that stage being doing all three things myself. So I was like, oh, great. And then I hadn't used shot timers before either. So Oh, how did you know, get on cool. with that? No, I learned. I learned fast. <laughs> just make it up. When the, like, is, mm. when the oven is jammed and the food's burning, that's when you learn just in time, isn't it? So, and then luckily, uh, one of the volunteers, Rosie, she basically one of the teams said, no, we don't need you. So she came over and said, I'll help you then. The lovely so, Rosie. Um, yeah, she's great. Yep. So she began spotter for um, our two stages over the two days. So the, I ended up basically getting to see every single person shoot twice. So uh, over the two days. So it's quite educational, interesting seeing how different people approach things and how people are like sheep often they'll just keep following what the other person did last time or so at the end of the they, saturday well they become a maverick and they try and do it all differently and stuff up the stage completely at um, the end of the saturday i said mark he sort of goes back up like with his vest to, oh yeah cool thanks trent that was great and then trent's like yep same again tomorrow mark and you're like oh, oh yep you're like oh fuck <laughs> I was like throwing the vest into the thing, like, oh, that's good. Oh, you have people back tomorrow. No. <laughs> no, no, you did a good job. You're stuck with it. Fuck, I laughed. So, you know, and I was paranoid after us uh, slagging Australia off last time by accident um, of stuffing up. So the whole day you're sort of real conscious of making sure, you know, you know what the issues with how you're describing the stage or whatever. So I think yeah. for the day one we had stage four, which is level up, which is basically... A series of posts, where, you know, sort of square posts that you, there were different heights. Man, I, sh- I shot that bad, man. I got two. <laughs> so that was my worst day of the weekend. I'm like, oh, here's my friend Mark. He'll give me some points. Yeah, I got you for a two, Graham. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Do you want to approve that? Yeah, it wasn't even, wasn't even that bad. And I was just flipping heck. I think, man, that was... <laughs> I'd, I'd actually say that was probably the least creative prop they had. It was still a good prop. Yeah, um, no, but, I, I definitely stage uh, the next stage three on the next day was a lot more fun. Yeah, and uh, quite challenging. And yeah, we'll talk about the last the, the far target on that was. Oh, was the the quote the ball sack they called it. I think the Australians yeah. called it. So you had a. Um, we'll talk about that. It had so basically, check out this view was a a prop which is a wall, a wooden wall with um one, two, three, four, five, six whole square holes in it so mm-hmm. about the size of a small window and you basically had some steps up one side on the right to give you a bit of height or uh, some some modified prone positions and then they built a little platform or like a sarcophagus on the side of the on the left hand end of it which you're supposed you're supposed to have shot off um, without touching you know like you had to be right on it but the way they built it um, the hole was too high for most bipods, like literally your skypod would reach it, but most others wouldn't sort of thing to get it through the, to mm-hmm. shoot through the gap. Yep. And 
I didn't. They never said anything at the briefing on that stage about having to shoot off. You know, you had to be on that um, prop to do it. All that, the only change they made was you have to, there's three holes you had to use was the only stipulation that changed. Anyway, so people basically started shooting it by going around one side of it and shooting through it, which I was like, that's fine. So you're still shooting through the hole. What do you do? And they're like, oh, you're not supposed to be doing it like that. Oh, well, everyone has to do it that way now. It's like, that's fine. So, <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> well, yeah, that worked out. Oh, no, it challenged people enough because it was you have hard, this huge yeah. wooden box in between you and the hole. So you had to either get on from the right or the left of it. The one best basically staged the rifle, ran around, you know, went around the side because you start behind it, started there, and worked their way from left to right on the stage. Whereas on the the first few squads worked their way from right to left, and it seemed to be harder to finish. They were trying to aim to finish on that platform, but mm-hmm. it was probably better to start on it. Yeah. Anyway, by the by, um, they had to shoot like. Uh, uh, a near target twice, middle target twice, near target twice, middle target twice from its four different holes positions. In the final position, they shot the far target, which is a 500 meter, 125 millimeter circle, so five inches. Yeah. At 500 meters, um, and they'd be like, "Where's the target?" I was like, "It's there. <laughs> it's on the end of a stick, or you know, up a up a uh, post." Oh yeah. So you basically looked up. There's a whole little vertical post at the back. And I said it's on, you know, one of them. Just keep looking up, and eventually you'll see it. And you really had to use the spotter to, because it was, you know, wasn't painted by then. It was pretty, just grey, blending into the background. Yeah, and there was also so, a post, behi- another post behind it, wasn't there? That. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was on a green post. Yeah. So you basically, <clears throat> I said just follow the green post up, and you'll see it. Um, and for most of the day, no one got to it. Um, probably. 10% of shooters, you know, I don't know, yeah, 15, 10, yeah, 10 or 15 shooters would have got to it in terms of making a shot at it. And then I think at the end, only two people cleared it at all the entire day. Um, and the first one that I saw clear it was when our, my Anthony and Wilkie squad came through. Anthony got 10 out of 10 on it, which was pretty impressive. So... I mean, time obviously was a big thing on that stage like that, but most people were timing out more than anything. You certainly had to have a very smooth... But watching people like Ash shoot it and stuff, just uh, and even Aaron hide, um, yeah, pretty, you know, they, just, they look so unrushed. <laughs> yeah. They're going fast. Yeah. Ash, Ash looks slow, doesn't he? And then he finishes everything. Yeah. It's like, how does that work? Everything's just... And I'm like, shot yeah. time is like, hmm, to go. You're like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Type of thing. You know, it might have been left more than that, but it was, um, so no, it's good. I mean, to use shot timers and uh, the tablets for scoring, it's quite cool just to get familiar with those. Um, it's a good system. Um, shot timers are a bit weird and that they didn't actually have this. You can set it to the times counting down, but. Essentially, whenever it recorded a shot, it would show you an updated time, if you know what I mean. So you, whenever yep. an imp- uh, a rifle shot was picked up, it would... But often it was picking up the shots from the neighbouring stages anyway, so... <clears throat> um, but no. Anyway, that was my... So I ended up... 
be massive by the end of the day. So, oh, great. Thanks for coming in for a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so in the Saturday, um, man, I was sitting, I think, well back in like 47th or something. And we went to. Yeah, so at the end of the Saturday, I was sort of uh, well back in the late 40s. Uh, points wise, they sort of um, update practice score as you go out for dinner. So we went out um, uh, to, to another town uh, 10 minutes north of the range. Well, I guess north, I don't know. Um, some, somewhere else. And we had a, a good dinner. They do a bit of bit of talk and stuff, but maybe it's a bit of a social evening. Um, you know, talking shit with all the, the other shooters, Aussies. and, and um, Actually, we, it, we ended up meeting a few Kiwis over there. There's a Oh, his name escapes me, but he um he imports and sells saber tactical gear. Um, yeah. In Australia, he's a ex uh, NZDF guy and NZ police guy. So he was real interesting to talk to. He's uh, living uh, funnily enough, for, I think ten minutes from the range there. Um, but yeah, so we had the dinner and uh, mostly it was mostly just a social thing that night. Wanted it wasn't a much more yeah. than that. Anyway, next morning back to the range, similar time for another eight stages. So, uh, as Mark said earlier, you sh- we shot. Um, Where was Wilkie at after day one? Seventeenth, uh, eighteenth, or something. Okay. Something yeah. like that. And Anthony was uh, fourth or third. Yeah. So Aaron had shot a really good first day. I think he was five shots ahead of Anthony at that stage. So. Yeah, we're sort of debating whether it was catchable, whether he had a good day or a bad day, you know, which is a pretty consistent shooter, so... Yeah. It's going to be an interesting last day anyway, so for, for that end of the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ash was in the in the mix as well still, one of the Australian shooters, um, which they ended up sort of... Mm, day two. So day two. So again, we, we shot the... the uh, Odd numbers, so one, three, um, through to fifteen, I think, on the day two. Uh, props were uh, changed up overnight. Some were already there, but a lot changed around. Uh, I don't think we really repeated much in the way of targets. I don't can't remember. Um, and then yeah, run through same thing. Um, same thing. I, I just shot just average, you know, fifty percent, but definitely better than the day before. Um, which was nice. Uh, again, just sort of trying to pick pick some of the top guys' brains. Not annoy them, right? They're trying to bet they're there to win and, and do well, you know. Um, humbugging. Yeah, don't want to humbug them. Um, yeah, and, and just... old people for money. Yeah. And, and, but also, I, got, uh, I took the opportunity, you know, less pressure. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to set the world on fire. So get no, get to know more of the, um, the shooters in the squad. It's pretty interesting guys. Um, uh, one, one of them, he... Asking, oh, what do you do? You know, he goes, oh, I might, you might, you might not like what I do for a job, and I'm like, why not? And he's like, he's like, well, I, I, um, I'm the guy who sorts out deporting all the criminal Kiwis out of Australia. Was it five hundred ones or whatever? Yeah, five hundred one deporters. <laughs> and he's like, oh, and he was a bit nervous, and I was like, man, I don't, I don't give a fuck, it's whatever. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you don't care? I was like, no, nah, you're not a criminal. But he, he's a cool guy. He, he, he actually, um, he, he machines a bunch of cool accessories, um. For precision rifle stuff he's actually making me a few at the moment which is cool which we'll talk about later on in a future episode or something um and but yeah same some cool guys um and 
Well, hey, let's talk about some of the gear. Like, Buckham had some nice guns, but this was just the next level of um, just premium precision rifle equipment, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, just, like, most of the rifles that were at Buckham were there. But then there's just, again, there was twice as many shooters. Uh, massive um, amount of masterpiece arms. Uh, yeah, I was uh, real surprised. Yeah, well, not, not yeah, that how many chassis there were. The MPA chassis, heaps. Yeah, of heaps. Like as I don't know the exact numbers, but a similar amount to the MDT and the KRG, essentially. So um, that that was that was interesting to look at. Um, and I would have felt overall MDT was underrepresented compared to New Zealand. Yeah, all the chassis that were there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've seen a few. Um, KDX chassis. I've seen a couple KDX chassis. Yeah, uh, they're pretty cool. Um, Foundation wood ones are there again. So the same probably number, half a dozen of them. Yep, we're starting to see, we've mentioned it before. We're starting to see them creep into New Zealand. Um, yeah, yeah I was, I, I, like I mentioned, KDX as well. Heaps, um, heaps of the MD, the new MDTs coming through, which are um, just the expensive version of the old one. Um, yeah, it was cool. Just and then just all everyone's got a Carlos or a Mark V or an ATAC or whatever, right? Insert tier one optic here. Um, yeah. Uh, it was... Still quite a few of those good Burruses. Yeah, Yeah, the XTR Pros, which we yeah. don't get in New Zealand. Um, yeah, just, just a lot of nice gear. A lot of... And, again, all set up really, really heavy um, and set up for that specific job. But just, just cool gear. Every, everyone's got... Um, it's just nice one thing I'll, I'll mention and I, for years ago I went away from Harris bipods I was like man these things suck and they're bendy and floppy and I don't like how they attach to rifles but then I noticed several of the top guys they run a Harris with a um, like an area 419 or, or whatever Arca adapter so it removes the top of the Harris you know that stupid sling swivel locker yeah. thing yeah, yeah, it yeah. throws that away and it replaces it with a nice um, an Arcalot clamp, and they they're using these these Harris's, and I was talking about it, and they're like, oh, they're just simple, they work well, and I run the big HD fifty Acutag, which is great, right? You've you've got one as well, and when you're shooting prone, like they're good, but some of these props where you shot um, like a tire and you shot bipod on the front, bag on the rear, so modified prone, sometimes the 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 bipod's way too wide. The ones you and I run, um, and that that they had the they just basic Harris, albeit arc it up so they could set it to where they want it. Um, you know how far down the fore end or not. Yeah, and the, the and these aren't just like like some random guys. These are these are like guys who are winning events. Um, so that was interesting to look at and sort of pick their brain on. Um, no, so like basically, if you're gonna get deep into it you'd, you'd turn up with a because the prop that i was on for day three the view one not, <clears throat> it actually suited the harris's or the atlas's which are narrower footprint bipods because you could get them onto the steps and stuff without the other uh you know your sky pods and that were basically a slight a too wide and extended configuration mm. and were too you know unstable 
well not ice level, but higher in the narrow configuration. So that those little short, either the Harris or the fake Atlas or the real Atlas would be I, ideal. And people I, were borrowing I, them basically for the stage or public people. So if you yeah. remember, I borrowed an Atlas. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and off, 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 off my mate. And uh, as I entered the stage... Because my attack wasn't going to work. It was just, it was like freaking four inches too wide. It just wouldn't sit on the on the platform. Um, as I got to position and deployed it, I pulled one of the legs fully out. And then I didn't know how to put it back in. And I spent probably a quarter of my stage time trying to get the bipod where I wanted it. It was just a hash. Like... I was like, man, I really should have taken a couple minutes beforehand just to figure yeah, out how to... I was probably disowning you by then, going, I don't know this guy. Yeah, especially after my stage on Saturday with you, and then I did this even worse. I got more points on the Sunday with you. But yeah, I was like, ah. Oh. Like, again, it didn't matter, but it was still disappointing because the targets on your stage were, um, maybe apart from that back target, were definitely achievable. Um, so it's, you just hemorrhage points, right, by like being not familiar no, no, with it, something. It, it rewarded the... the yeah, I... I don't think they were too hard to hit from the points of being got the two yeah two targets, but it was just that smooth shifting and getting set up on those props that made it for people. But yeah, no gear. I mean that's yeah bipod wise. Um, I think it's just a bit of a horses for courses thing. People have a couple of spare bipods of different types floating around. I guess because yeah. you're not walking um all day yeah. with a big heavy pack having a fucking a, a, a different a trolley full of gear yeah like some people actually have a trolley trolleys yeah, like yeah. a tr- strollers like they're going all three gun on it sweet um, <laughs> but yeah so uh, what's come out of this i thought hey i'm gonna i'm gonna figure out this bipolar thing at least have a play with it and i have an arca adapter coming from the gun rack funnily enough who are offering 10 percent off with the code mag mark um to convert my Harris into an Arca one to have a play with. So um, I'm going to have a play with the uh, the concept anyway. Um, it'll probably be good on 22s where maybe those big bipods we run are a bit um, uh, over the top, some would say, when you have an HD50 on a Ruger 1022. Who knows? Um, but as for the rest of Sunday, um, uh, just before I shot your stage, I shot the stage one, so you were three, I believe. Look at those pins. Look at the, Which is quite a... I'll talk about the stage mainly. First of all, it's, it's kind of hard, but I actually shot. Actually hard. I shot. Yeah. I shot it well, and um, people go, "Man, you did so well!" I'm like, "Well, I'm pretty sure I just got really lucky on the wind." <laughs> but um, it was like, so there was a KYL rack at 300 meters ish, and it was I think it was a six inch down to maybe a two inch or something, um, and. Then there was a series of bowling pins on the left and they started at like 300 and worked their way out to 500. I think there's five pins. So just a, a, an AR500 cut out of a bowling pin. So uh, the further the distance, the target did not change in size. So it got harder to shoot and you were on a rooftop style prop, not a particularly steep one. And I, th- I think you shot, you've got the matchbook, but I think you shot K- the biggest target on the KYL rack or bowling, no, bowling pin first. So you've got the first bowling pin. Uh, hit or miss, you move on to the the rack. You'll engage the biggest target. And then once you hit it, so hit to move, 
you will then engage the next bowling pin and the bowling pin will be um, hit or miss. Yeah. And so the idea is you get bowling pin, rack, bowling pin, rack. But if you're, if you're missing, you stay on the, stay on the rack. And um, uh, yeah, I just, I was like, oh shit, what am I going to do with the wind? You know, a little bit of, it's just this, just watching the dust drift from other people and stuff. And so first bowling pin, I was like, I'll oh, just hold just inside the right edge and I hit it. Oh, yeah, it was sweet. It was only 300 meters. So yep, that's not too bad. So I hit the first KOL rack, target, go to the next bowling pin. I'll, I'll just stay holding, same hold pretty much. Hold on the right edge, impact. And I just went through, did that. I got to my second and last bowling pin. And man, I only, it might have been my last one, second and last, anyway. I only just hit the edge of the bowling pin. Like it just, half of my bullet hit the side of the plate sort of thing. And it, it, it did a bit of a shudder, you know, jiggling away. And I'm, I'm waiting for them to call impact. Like, please, please, please. <laughs> and they, yep, no, yeah, impact, dodgy impact. And then, well, they don't say that, it's the impact. And then, uh, you know, next target on the rack, then bowling pin, then for the final little, uh, little two inch or inch and a half disc, whatever it was, um, at uh, the 300 cleared the stage and um it had been a hard stage everyone's got man it's a really hard stage but i just got really i think i just got really lucky with the wind staying nearly the same the whole the whole you know 90 seconds or whatever my my stage limit was um like like i beat ash on that stage that that's how out of character it was so happy as with that this is my second last stage for the weekend and then I then proceeded to go to your stage and get like a four, but um, <laughs> but still a cool stage. Um, yeah, I like the bowling pin targets; they were quite fun. Um, you always you always gonna like a stage after you do well on it too, right? Like if I shit the bed and got a two, I'd, I'd probably be like, man, that was a terrible stage. But um, but yeah, and then and then again went to Mark's stage and um, couldn't figure out how to use a basic bipod and um. <laughs> and hashed up my last stage of the day uh, so how'd your sunday go mark uh better uh, i've basically um my goal was to make sure no one stuffed up the stage and i think i only had one person get out of sequence all day so um oh yeah just a little thing i was like i tried to do my briefing as well and clearly identified the stage and just talked to everyone and no, it was good. They were all like really nice about the whole thing. We didn't have any arguments and um, not too many issues with hits or misses being called. So um, I think later on we were just doing the spotting with the squads themselves because um, Rosie had to go and help set up the for the prize giving. So we had about three people spotting, which actually helped on one because um. Someone disputed what happened, and the two other like two other guys were like, "No, nah, clearly didn't hit." I think, I, yeah, was so I involved it. in that one? I think I was, wasn't I? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I was. was. It's a long time ago. <laughs> hey, actually, speak, <clears throat> speaking of that, so in the last podcast, we uh, touched we touched on the Australians um, challenging things, and um, we had a few of them, <laughs> a few of them a bit salty at us and whining us up about it. Um, and we're like, "Yeah, no, fuck who cares?" And then, but anyway. Like my second or third, second stage of day one, I, I shoot, you know, one of the rounds, I, and I see the impact on the back berm, but it's like a metre and a half or two metres. No, sorry, it was up. 
It was like three meters to the right and three meters high, right up on the mantle. And I was like, shit, that was weird. Anyway, moved the next shot and carried on. And then they're like, oh yeah, we got you for a seven. It was a seven. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, seven out of 10, sweet. And then uh, Ash comes up, he goes, no, he's like, he's like, that wasn't a miss. He's like, did you see where your bullet went? I was like, yeah, I seen it go like way up in a weird area. And I thought it was bizarre. And he goes, no, he's like, I'm 90 percent sure you've you've clipped the side of the target and it's centered up. And so Nixon, he's over there with the ROs and he's going, no, 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 that's and I'm not gonna say argued, but he um he he got me that point, which mm. I was I was confused. I was like, well, how the fuck did that bullet end up there? Like that was a, a okay, a good shot. And you, when you you know when you it's not that windy and it goes meters away. And he goes, no, you've yeah. you've, you've clipped the side. Um, so yeah, and I, I was, now I had Nate on that stage and on a reasonably hard stage, and um, so we withdraw all our previous comments about our Australian friends, and uh, <laughs> we appreciate the point. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's it's something different. Like it's we're not used to it, but we're, we're getting there. Um, but still, man, they still points a point, right? Um, yeah, no, the only thing that happened to me was the, um, the shot time went flat and then the tablet went flat, so technology. And I took them over and they go, oh, this never happened before. So, great. That's, First time ever. that's what everyone <laughs> says about everything, though, don't they? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, like that's when you go to Fiji and you go fishing and you catch no fish, they're like, oh, they normally we catch heaps of fish. This is weird. Oh, that's never happened. <laughs> yeah, but, you... but we've got your money anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's weird that it's raining. It's normally always sunny here. Um, yeah. So then, so then overall, overall, wrapping things up eventually. Um, day two required Anthony to shoot very well and Aaron to shoot less well. Um, and that sort of happened. So and I think Ash ended up. Also creeping up into second, so I think it was only a couple points between him and yeah. Anthony. So match results, um, we sort of oh, well, it's a bit hard to tell. People were foxing a bit. I think you were never certain if Ran had got worse or better. Or he's a great young fella. Um, he'll be very good in the future. So, um, and Anthony ended up getting first, which was pretty awesome. Uh, I think. Yeah, and then Ash was a couple of points back, and then Aaron a couple of points back on that, a point or two. So more so, importantly, where did I come? Did I crack the top oh. 10 that I set the goal at the start of the season? Um, was well, I think... The 75 shooters, Graham, so uh, you were 42nd. Well, I tell you what, on day one, I think I was like 45th, so I climbed, oh. I climbed up the ladder a little bit, hey. <laughs> or, or down, depending. Yeah, um, yeah. no, very cool. Um and Michael, he, uh... Did you get 14th? 16th. 16th, there you go. Good effort. Um, from memory. he probably correct me that I was wrong on that. But, yeah. um... So, he was a similar percentage finish to what he did at Buchan, so maybe a percent or two better. Um, but, you know, pretty... As I said, looking at all the shooters that I had through, uh... Yeah, I would say there's like 10 that were crap. 
If you know what I mean, like like me. Oh, zero, oh, you know, get one point on a stage type of thing, consistently from what I've heard. Just people that are probably I don't know getting into it or something starting I, out. I would I would um, say this the sport there what, is what not I, conducive mean, to new shooters. I'd say that. No, no, no. Yeah. So yeah, some slightly the more frustrated people you'd meet throughout the day. Um, getting a bit despondent with how they're going, but then there's a pretty big, yeah, solid chunk of those people that are pretty good. They'd be, I don't know what we'd call them here, but um, people that'd be consistently top 10 in our sort of practical working class type stuff. A lot of them, from my mind. Because, um, you know, the points they were harvesting on the stages I were on. And then you had this uh, probably... Ten to a dozen people who are consistently getting those nines and te- eight nines and tens on stages. Yeah. One thing I'll add to the comment I just made um, about mm. not being ideal for new shooters. So most of the areas there, they have a strong club series. Yeah, exactly. So you compete in your club series, your monthly matches, which is yeah. where we're we're massively lacking in New Zealand. And yeah. then when you're, whereas here in New Zealand we've only really got the national level matches, so that's where you no. go. But we've also we don't have the competitive pool that they have. So no. Anyway, that's a whole other issue is us not having. Yeah, um, it's something you don't really factor in that they're doing club shooting. So, yeah, so you learn um, there, then go national. Yeah. Yeah. So these guys may not be new, new. Like it's not like they just, just turned up. They're certainly <laughs> they're certainly invested in the gear. I didn't see anyone rocking a uh, a um I don't know a strike eagle. Anyway, no <laughs> scope. Or, or a um, bare bones, dare but dare I say it? Didn't a take a T three, or a tech A one. Not even a tech A one. I don't think I did see a tech A one. That's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd say uh, let's let's compare it to Buckham. Mm. Uh, obviously, the facilities are a bit more um, refined, um, uh, and and probably suitable to the number of people. Um, but I would say Buckham definitely had the uh, the social aspect down with the local pub and and that kind of thing. The dinner was superior at Buckham. Um, <laughs> the food, the food was important. Food, well, it was right. Well, well, I wasn't going to shoot well. I was. I was going for a good good okay, feed. Okay, Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I he's now dead. Anyway, I don't. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was at that um, My Kitchen Rule show. Don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, all in all, another another really fun trip. Uh, so we finished up, uh, went back to our accommodation, packed our stuff up, and just like we mentioned earlier, decided to go back to Sydney early. Um, to oh, I won a Night Force T-shirt. I should add, uh, got drawn for the prize table. It was very nice. Um, anyway, uh, we decided to go back early, and again. Uh, to go across the bridge that kind of worked out in the end uh we got to the airport with plenty of time um, which you want to do when you when you're moving firearms and then our flight got pushed back how was it like a couple of three hours mm. so with the, the idea being right i'd fly back to auckland and i had like four hours to get from international to, to domestic to catch my flight back to new Plymouth. anyway our flight got delayed and delayed and delayed at, at, at melbourne oh, sorry sydney Luckily, we're in the Koori Lounge, which is quite fantastic. And um, 
And so by the time we get back to, to Auckland, I've got like, what's it, an hour-ish? Maybe just over an hour. <clears throat> so sort of, anyway, we got our baggage from the carousel and I I had my stuff. So I, I was like, I'll go ahead to the police and I'll, I'll try to get the police stuff rolling. And get to the kiosk, ring ring the phone that you just pick it up, rings, and yeah, yeah I'm you know, trying to import a firearm. And the first time we went, we sort of had to wait quite a long time before anyone turned up. But this time, rang up and two officers walk out the door. Um, and so, you know, here we go. Awesome. And so I, I start, he goes, okay, I'll go find the firearm. And I say, hey, can you grab my mate's ones? They'll be there because they're, they're not here yet, but they're coming. And she started processing my paperwork and I was out, the, the police stuff. By the time you guys got there, I was done and, and off just to try and catch my flight. And, they escorted me through and all that, and um, <laughs> I ran. I ran all the way to domestic, just like last time, uh, and made it. And but that all the <laughs> I ran all that way, and I was sweaty. And, but they delayed our flight by another half an hour back to New Plymouth. Than your first flight had been delayed half an hour. Yeah, because yeah, I was thinking, like, oh, maybe we're thinking, maybe we rent a car and drive back, or, or something. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you were thinking that, Graham. What were you thinking? Oh, we go to Sky City. No, no. Yeah, probably. <laughs> just keen. I was keen to get home, you know. Um, but yeah, and we made it home, and uh, uh, it was good. It was it was a good fun trip. Um, you don't do much sightseeing when you're over yeah. there, you know. You sort of just get there and go. And at, yeah. at least in Buckham, we went and looked at kangaroos and stuff, and went hunting. So, um, yeah, another real fun trip. Uh, I t- yeah. Well done to Anthony on getting his second win in Australia. Um, yeah, good work. And uh, thanks to Trent, the match director, for running a great match. Actually, that's a good point. Yeah, thanks. Thanks and to the, the, spons- the sponsors, yeah. Zeiss. Zeiss. Yeah. OSA, Zeiss. They put um, a whole swag of uh, yeah. an, an S5, couple S3 scopes on the prize table. Yeah, Anthony's now got an S5. Yep. And... um and you like you know big sponsorship stuff and there's all the other sponsors too um thanks to um prs australia you know rusty and josh and all them and trent who make it happen um it's these are pretty big professional events man and and there's a lot of moving parts to keep a uh so many people operating on a small area like that um one thing i'll say is just like buckham a lot of target failures um uh, yes that'd be the only down downside of the weekend yes because i can turn right out there but that'd be the thing i'd say that that is um the only downside is just take failures like we lost not as much time as bucking but we we certainly lost uh, a couple hours they can't they can't have steel posts on the range either yes so So that's that's the issue yeah so good point um yeah shit's gonna break shit's gonna break um so you, you get there right you figure it out um but yeah, thanks to all that made it happen, and um, yeah. thank you, Mark, for being team manager once again and driver. And um, well, yeah, I bow out at that point. It's my last trip for this year. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, another successful trip to Australia. And um, <laughs> those still listening, the gun rack has a ten percent off code, as we mentioned at the start of the podcast. Another one. So the code is Mag Dump Mark. If you want ten percent off, and you can buy. Uh, whatever they have on their website, essentially. Um, thank you to the Gunrack for... Shit, they've been a sponsor for a couple of years now, I guess, Mark. 
you, you drop them for a month, but we've got oh, them. Because we made them. Oh, yeah, we yeah. Made, you didn't really have a choice. Um, but anyway, back now that we're back in New Zealand, uh, 20, Spark 22 series is well underway. We've got two rounds done. Uh, we've got the P10 practical on Pew Pew in about two or three weeks. So uh, southern Waikato, Waitoma area. Um, that's well sold out, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, after that, we've got uh, the Cold Spark, which is round four in Taihapi, uh, so central North Island, and uh, yet to be officially announced. We'll then have RTD a month later after that on a new area you guys wouldn't have shopped for, possibly something else in Auckland, and then the final in December. So plenty coming up rimfire-wise. Um, November will be the Tirada uh, teams match and Tirada individual. Uh, so uh, event on Saturday and Sunday. Um, that's going to be a really, really awesome, cool match and will no doubt sell out fast. So when that opens up in a month or so, I'm guessing, um, get in on that. Uh, GPRE, obviously running that one. Um, and yeah, that'll finish out our year. So thank you all for listening to another thrilling episode of the Precision Unloaded podcast. Uh, any closing thoughts or dad advice from you, Mark? Uh no, just to quote the great Michael Wilkie, uh, sort out your stupid misses. <laughs> sort out your stupid misses. See you later, everybody. <laughs>